Welcome to our sermon podcast here at City of Light Anglican Church. We are a new church in Aurora, Illinois, finding a new day in Jesus. We want to see the light of Jesus rise and shine in our hearts, in our homes, and in our neighborhoods. Thanks for joining us for today's message. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Do not be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ. Christ. All right, friends, could you turn with me in your bulletin to that Exodus passage? I want to try something. Grab a pen. Grab something to write with if you've got one nearby. And I want you to circle every time it uses the word up. Every time it says come up or went up. Um, ¿Cómo se dice up en español? Is it, is it sube, subió? Um, what's that? Jomari? Come up? Sube, subió. So circle those. It's all over the place, isn't it? Lord said to Moses, come up. Moses went up. Moses went up. He went up on the mountain. Now, once you've got those circled, did you guys find, how many did you find? Four, three, five. Sure, great. Turn over to the Matthew passage now. And what does this begin with? It says that Jesus, verse one, led them up. So this morning, in the next couple minutes, we're going to go up too. We're going to go up the mountain this morning. And I want us to to look at three ups. First, look up, listen up, and wake up. Look up, listen up, and wake up. Can you turn to somebody next to you and say, look up, listen up, wake up. If you need to, later on in the service, turn to somebody and tell them to wake up. Please do. If I say that out loud, it's not because I see someone drifting or nodding off. uh, Listen up, uh, look up, listen up, and wake up. You know, uh, I've always loved bird watching. Does anyone else love watching birds? Uh, Especially when I'm like in the woods and away from the city. I I love it. But I, I often will walk around or drive around just in my daily life just scanning the sky because my favorite type of bird to see is a a bird of prey. Um, And here on the uh, Fox River, we get to see eagles, don't we? Uh, Oh, I remember the first time I saw an eagle in the wild. It was here on the Fox River about seven years ago. And so I will, whenever I'm walking around or driving around, I'm just looking up. 
Um, it's not good when I'm driving around. Bonnie will be like, stop that. Look at the road. Don't look up. But this morning, I want us to just kind of come away. Come away from some of the everyday things that are going on, and I want us to look up at Jesus. I want us to look at him. We're going to sing a song later in the service that says, give me a vision of your love, Lord. Let me fall in love with you again. Because you are more beautiful than anything. More beautiful than anything, Jesus. That's what I want us to see this morning. I want us to see the glory of Jesus, his light, his love, his, his passion to save us. Because when we encounter Jesus and we see his glory, we get just a glimpse of it. It changes us forever. It sends us back into our lives filled with what we need from him and able to see him then in the everyday. I want us to seek the face, the glorious face of Jesus this morning. Maybe it's been a while since you've felt like you've encountered the Lord. The heart of the Lord is to show himself to you. He taught his people, the people of Israel, he taught them to bless each other, the the priest to bless the people by saying, the Lord bless you and keep you, the Lord make his face shine upon you. I want our prayer this morning to be, Jesus, shine your face on me. Let me see your face. Let's look up. Let's look at that Matthew 17 text together. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up the mountain, and there he's transfigured before them. They they see Jesus glorified. I like to think about this as they see a glimpse of the future resurrected Jesus. They see the glory that Jesus has and, and will have. His goodness, his light. Uh, Another telling of this story says his clothes were uh, bleached whiter than any earthly bleach could bleach them. Someone asked me last night uh, at our bilingual worship night, what's the the color for the Feast of Transfiguration? What should I wear? I said, well, you should go home and bleach something as white as you can and wear that. Um, Incidentally, if there are any entrepreneurs out there uh, wanting to start like a laundry business or uh, uh, you know, a new type of detergent and give it like a Christian meaning. It could be transfiguration, laundromat, our whites are whiter, something like that. That's a free idea. Feel free to, to use that. And they get this glimpse of the glorified Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, the Jesus who's died for them and come back to life for them. And I, I wonder if, if there was this sense of like, oh, this is who he is. For any um, you know, comic book, uh, Marvel movie fans out there, there's this uh, theme throughout some of those movies where Thor has this hammer that he uses in battle, and he's the only one who can pick it up. He's the only one who can wield it, right? He's the only one who is worthy. Okay, but there's a scene where Captain America comes, and he picks it up, and it kind of budges. And everyone goes, <gasps> But then, spoiler alert, uh, five hours into the last movie, there's this scene where the hammer's there and Captain America does pick it up. He is worthy. And and, uh, Thor goes, I knew it. I knew it. 
All the disciples had just been talking about Jesus being the disciples, of being the, the Messiah, and then they see him. And they must have said, I knew it, but I couldn't have imagined. It changed their life. Later, John would write an account of Jesus' life. And do you know what the main theme in John's gospel is? Light. You know how he starts it? The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. He saw the glory of Jesus, and he was never the same. Peter writes his second letter later, and he says, we were eyewitnesses of majesty. He received glory from God the Father. The voice came uh, from the majestic glory. He, he's just piling these adjectives on top of each other. Majestic glory saying, this is my son. We heard the voice that came from heaven. We were with him on the sacred mountain. They saw Jesus and they were never the same. John would spend his life serving Jesus' church, would be exiled to an island away from all of his family and friends, and he was thinking about the light of Jesus still. He would say in 1 John, when we see him, we will be like him when he comes again. Hallelujah. Peter would give his life to following Jesus, and he would be crucified too. And he did it because he had encountered the risen, glorified face of Jesus, and he had seen it. It was beautiful. And we are invited to see that face of Jesus. We are invited to seek him, to experience his light and presence in our lives, and to be changed. This is not something just for disciples in the Bible. This is not something just for extraordinary followers of Jesus. Every follower of Jesus is invited to gaze on the face of Jesus, to see his glory and to be changed. Now, it can look different for every one of us. There's no prescribed way. But have you had an experience in your life where you've encountered the glory of the Lord? Has it been a while? Is it hard to think of a time when that's happened? I had a Sunday a few months ago where just in worship, I was just, I don't even know how to describe it. This passage talks about being overshadowed. I felt overshadowed. And it wasn't anything specific that Jesus said or did. I, 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 can't, I just, he was with me. I've, I've prayed for people before. And they've seen a vision of Jesus in their imaginations of his face. And he's spoken to them. Or he's just, there's just been an expression on his face that's communicated his love. They've, they've encountered Jesus. I've seen it over and over again. I don't share those experiences with you to be prescriptive or to say that's how it has to be for you, but I, I want to I encourage your faith. You can seek the face of Jesus and see him. I want to stoke your desire for him. 
Look up and see the face of Jesus. It's beautiful. And listen up. Jesus um, is there being transfigured, and the disciples are watching. Moses and Elijah come and are talking with Jesus. And Peter, maybe because he doesn't want this moment to end, or maybe he's just overwhelmed, and when he's overwhelmed, he just starts talking. I've done that before. Um, he, He says, well, let's make some plans. We'll get tents for everybody. We'll just camp out here. Look at what it says in verse 5. While he was still speaking, he got interrupted by God in a voice from heaven. I want to be interrupted this morning. I want you to be interrupted this morning. I want to interrupt what you're doing right now, what's going on in your life right now. I'm going to let the voice of God interrupt you the cloud comes, and it, it's like fog all around them. And the voice is coming from right within it, right in their midst. And it's both light and overshadowing. It's, it's just like the description from Exodus that uh, Chris read this morning of the cloud coming down. And the father repeats what he says at Jesus' baptism. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. But he adds something, doesn't he? What does he say? Listen up. Stop talking, Peter. He says to us, listen up. Enough with your plans. Enough with what you think is important. Enough what's going on right now for you. Just, just wait a minute and listen. Listen to Jesus. Let him go first. Now, There's plenty of things that Jesus says that we look at right on their surface, and we go, that's wonderful. That's beautiful. I believe that too. I want to live like that too. There's also plenty of things that Jesus says that are difficult. He challenges us. He tells us to repent. He tells us to take up our cross. He tells us to follow him. In fact, (laughs) when Jesus uh, is transfigured and the Father says, listen to him, What is the very last thing they heard Jesus say? Look over in chapter 16. Jesus, in verse 21, says, He began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer. He must be killed and then raised again on the third day. He tells his disciples, verse 24, If you want to follow me, if you want to be a disciple then you have to take up your cross and you have to come with me to your death. If you want to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you'll gain it. That's the last thing Jesus said and the Father comes and he interrupts what's going on in their life and he says, listen to Jesus. Follow him. And the word of God this morning interrupts us and calls us to follow Jesus. Have you seen his glory? Then follow him with your cross. Listen up. Look up. And finally, wake up. The disciples fall on the ground. Jesus comes to them and he touches them and he says, get up. Wake up. Rise up. 
a, a week ago at uh, Asbury uh, University. There was a simple chapel message about following Jesus, and students stayed to pray afterwards, and they haven't stopped uh, praying and worshiping since then. Day after day, around the clock, they've just devoted themselves to prayer and to worship and to gazing on the face of Jesus, to, to looking for him, to listening for him. There's been so many testimonies coming out of this small little college in Kentucky of the Lord working. And it's all centered around seeing Jesus. It's all centered around prayer and worship. There's no celebrity preachers or worship leaders. There's no video production or light shows. They don't even have lyrics printed or projected. They're just singing and praying and worshiping. Before musicians go out to lead in worship, they spend at least an hour in what they call the consecration room, somewhere back in the building, just being prayed for and praying. Before this um, awakening or revival or whatever you want to call it began, the Lord had put on the heart of a couple who were teaching at a school in Malaysia to leave their job there and to move to Asbury and pray for revival. It was in 2016. They've just been praying. One of the students wrote a testimony a couple days ago and just said, there's a tangible sense of peace for a generation with unprecedented anxiety. There's a restorative sense of belonging for a generation amidst an epidemic of loneliness. There's an authentic hope for a generation marked by depression. There's a leadership emphasizing protective humility in relationship with power for a generation deeply hurt by the abuse of religious power. There's a focus on participatory adoration for an age of digital distraction. It's quiet. It's peaceful. It's just what we need because it's Jesus. It's looking on his face. It's listening to his voice. It's giving ourselves to him. In this passage, when they, these three disciples look up and they see the glory of Jesus and they hear the voice of the Father, it says they fall down. I was reading a sermon this week by uh, preacher Charles Spurgeon, and he says they didn't just fall down, they passed out. He used the old English word, they swooned. We don't use that word very much. But they, they fainted. It's like they were so overcome. And so he, 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 as, as he thinks about it, the disciples are like not awake. They're not conscious to what's going on. When they feel the touch of Jesus and he wakes them up. He wakes them up. And the first thing they see when they open their eyes is him. Nothing but him. They saw only him. And it's that grace of being woken up by Jesus that gives them the strength to follow him. 
when we uh, think about revival and think about waking up, I can't help but think about our Lenten journey and our Holy Week worship. We like to say in our diocese that Holy Week and Lent preparing for it is our revival week. Every year, we set aside, we prepare, we seek the face of Jesus, we cry out and ask for his presence, and then we come near to his cross and near to his resurrection, near to his heart, so that we can be with him and we can see his goodness and his love for us, his sacrifice for us, his victory over everything in our life, so that we can see his glory. And we say no to things that have been filling our eyes and our ears. We ask the Lord to wake us up from our slumber to see him again. Maybe you come into Holy Week and feel like my faith feels so small. I don't know about you, but over these last two or three years, I feel like I've been gazing at screens and the people and words on them. And I've been listening to earbuds with songs and podcasts and audiobooks and those visions and those sounds, they don't give me the peace of Jesus, but they increase anxiety in an anxious world. And I'm longing for Jesus to give me a little gentle shake and say, wake up, look at me, listen to me. Do you long for that too? Do you long to come awake to the glory of Jesus in your life? Both of these uh, readings in Exodus and in Matthew begin with a reference to the Sabbath day. Exodus 24, it's six days at the clouds on the mountain. And then the seventh, the Sabbath that the Lord speaks. Here it's after six days. So on the seventh day that they go up to the mountain, there's this sense of coming away, (laughs) of clearing away, of saying no to other good things so we can say yes to Jesus. That's the invitation to Lent Holy Week. It's It's this coming out of so that we can go up to the presence of the Lord. And here on this Sunday and in this moment, Jesus himself is preparing for that journey. Moses and Elijah show up. Luke tells us that they were talking with Jesus about what was to come, how he needed to exodus, he needed to depart and go to Jerusalem to suffer and die and be raised again. That's what they're talking about. Moses and Elijah come to help prepare Jesus to die. And Jesus is also preparing Peter, James, and John for that. Because you know what happens when we die, friends? When we die in faith in Jesus, the next thing we will experience is Jesus reviving us. Jesus gently waking us and our eyes will open and we will see only him. 
Peter, James, and John get to experience that a little bit right here before they have to experience that. And that lets them go and give their life for Jesus. We walk through Lent. We walk through Jesus' death and resurrection so that we can die to the things of this world so that we can be resurrected before we die and are resurrected. So that we can be filled with nothing but Jesus. Looking for him, listening to him, waking up to him. We need a vision of the glorious face of Jesus. Do you long for that? Give us a vision of your love, Lord. Let us fall in love with you again, for you are more beautiful than anything. More beautiful than anything, Jesus. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from City of Light Anglican Church. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us online at cityoflightanglican.org. And now, may the light of Jesus scatter the darkness from before your path.